This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Hey folks, I know you love podcasts, and March is National Podcast Month. Believe it or not, there are a lot of people out there who still haven't been turned on to podcasts or don't really know what a podcast is. So help celebrate Podcast Month by sharing Kick-Ass News or any of your favorite podcasts with at least two friends. Or better yet, share us with all your friends on Twitter or Facebook and be sure to tag us when you do and use the hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y-P-O-D. Spread the word about this podcast or any podcast. And if you want to do something else to support Kick-Ass News, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at GoFundMe.com slash kickassnews. Believe it or not, this show costs actual money, and your contribution will help offset some of those costs. So become a part of what I'm doing here by going to GoFundMe.com slash kickassnews and making a donation. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to Kick-Ass News. If you're like me, you've probably spent the past few months looking back at the 2016 election and the result of it and wondering, how in the hell did this happen? Well, my guest today has put a good deal of thought into that. In fact, it's the title of his new book, How the Hell Did This Happen? The Election of 2016. P.J. O'Rourke is a pundit, political satirist, and journalist who began writing funny things in the 1960s underground newspapers, became editor-in-chief of National Lampoon, then spent 20 years reporting for Rolling Stone and The Atlantic Monthly as the world's only trouble-spot humorist, going to wars, riots, rebellions, and other holidays in hell in more than 40 different countries. Though he's calmed down a little bit, he hasn't lost his acerbic wit or his gift for satire as a contributing editor at the Weekly Standard, the H.L. Mencken Fellow at the Cato Institute, a member of the editorial board of World Affairs, and a regular panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. He's the author of 18 books, including Parliament of Horrors and Give War a Chance, both of which reached number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Now he has a new book called How the Hell Did This Happen? The Election of 2016. Today he'll discuss just what the hell did happen in 2016, and he'll share some of his ideas for how to fix this broken system, including a better way to choose the president, attacks on the Kardashians, and his plan to erase poverty and save a few bucks in the process. This self-proclaimed libertarian will analyze what happened to the libertarian's big moment in 2016, and he'll discuss the best and worst dressed candidates. He'll reminisce about his misspent youth as a hippie communist, his years working as the editor-in-chief of National Lampoon, and which comedian from the National Lampoon's films earned the nickname The Thing That Would Not Leave. Plus, how to talk like a political pundit, coming up with P.J. O'Rourke in just a moment. P.J. O'Rourke is a contributing editor at the Weekly Standard, the H.L. Mencken Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, a regular panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and a columnist for the Stansberry Digest Investment Letter. 
He's the author of the number one New York Times bestsellers, Parliament of Horrors and Give War a Chance. And he has a new book called How the Hell Did This Happen? The Election of 2016. Now, I would give you how many books he's written, but Wikipedia says he's written 20. His website says he's written 16. And in your book jacket, it says 18. So I guess you split the difference, huh? <laughs> yeah. I lost track somewhere back there. (laughs) Well, I enjoyed the book. Uh, Your book is appropriately titled, How the Hell Did This Happen? Many of us are wondering just that. So tell me, is this title a rhetorical question, or did you actually seek to find some answers to this question? Well, somewhat. You know, I've been inscribing it, if you find out, tell me. Uh, (laughs) uh, So... So not, no, I didn't precisely get the answer, um, uh, but I think I, I came to sort of a, a larger conclusion. I can give you kind of a general answer, and I think that uh, uh, we see this all over the world. There is a kind of rebellion against the political elites, a, a rebellion against elites in general, yeah. press, media elites, uh, business elites. That was 1%, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the Occupy movement, uh, and—, and um, and and, and it, it, it's taking place all over the political spectrum. I mean, uh, I think a very good example, of course, would be Brexit. Um, in Brexit, in the case of Brexit, you had three groups of elites absolutely opposed to Brexit. So you get your business elites, you got your political elites, you got your labor elites, uh, the union chiefs and so on, they're all against this. And the British voter is looking at this and saying, okay, these are the people who, like, one of them caused the global financial crisis, the other group of elites dragged us into the Iraq war, and uh, labor elites, uh, they're the people who nationalized the British automobile industry. That worked out really well. How could we go wrong voting against (laughs) a group of people like this? But you also see it with the rise of the Greens on, on, Mm -hmm. on the left, too. Um, Putin uh, uh, is uh, an anti-elite. I mean, he's very much a rebellion against the incompetent kleptomaniacs that took over Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union. Uh, Xi Jinping uh, uh, is uh, he's touting a sort of neo-Maoism that definitely feeds off uh, the resentment of ordinary Chinese against the, the, the what I call the, the all in, all the tea in China scale of corruption in China. <laughs> and then there are people who are just off the chart, like Durte in, uh, in the Philippines. Yeah. You know? yeah. you, you gotta, you, here you have a, a murderous criminal problem in your country, so you elect a murderous criminal. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? <laughs> so while I never answered the question of Trump specifically, um, or of, uh, I mean, it's both Trump's victory and Hillary's loss, both both being fairly puzzling. Yeah, yeah, I liked what you said when you said that they're running against themselves. It basically, he wasn't as horrible as he could have been, and she was. <laughs> she was. Yeah, and she wasn't as good as she could have been. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. She, she, she ran a terrible, terrible campaign, you know, topping it all off with the basket of deplorables. You, know, you can say yeah. what you want about the American system. You can say anything you want about your opponent, but you yeah. mustn't insult the voters. You can't just yeah. can't do that. Yeah, and I think you said probably her biggest problem was just the smugness. Yeah, that, yeah. That she really carries a little cloud of smug um, 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 with her. And I think that's one of the things that has people all around the world 
up in arms against uh, elitists of all kinds is that smugness, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we know how things should be, leave it to us, and we'll be fine. And you can see the reaction in Europe. I mean, you have this, uh, you, who, who, who caused this or allowed this problem in the Middle East to happen? Well, it was elite diplomacy, elite politics, elite military strategy, mm-hmm. for that matter, that set this off. And then did nothing about it, and that results in this like huge wave of refugees. That um, you know the elites don't have to worry about this. You know, it just means new ethnic restaurants and household help for them. <laughs> but you know, so people all over Europe are going. Well, they're not jostling you in the halls of the European Parliament in Brussels. They're not yeah. building shanty towns on the tennis courts at your <laughs> private club. Um, and, you know, the hell with the bunch of you. Well, you actually endorsed Hillary Clinton. It's a grudging endorsement. I think grudging if I indeed, asked Hillary, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she would yeah. probably say with friends like P.J. Yeah. O'Rourke, who well, needs enemies? Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I, I basically said Dorothy and Toto's house fell on her, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I endorse her. Yes, it was very grudging. But I'm a conservative, and so, right. I, so I endorsed the status quo. <laughs> not, yeah. Not because I liked it, not because I, 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 not because I agreed with it, but because I knew what it was. Yeah. And um, I, to you know, I, I, I didn't then, and I don't know yet, um, who who Trump is and what he'll do, and mm-hmm. it, it bothers me. Um, um, you know, this is all fine on on reality television, but when it comes down to the exercise of actual power, uh, I don't like the idea of a volatile person whom I also consider to be um, opaque. I'm not a Trump hater, but I but I can't say I get him. Mm-hmm. Is there any point in trying? I don't know. <laughs> is, is that I, an I exercise in futility? I, I, I kind of tend to think so, you know. Yeah. I, 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 you know, if you, I, I would say that, um, you know, as a, as a libertarian conservative, I consider the current system to be much in need of repair and reform reorganization. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, just, you know, to start at the top um, um, or at the bottom really is, uh, uh, you know, the, the the sheer size of government spending, the sheer scope of government intrusion into public life, uh, the debt, the deficit. <clears throat> These things really need to be addressed. But in order to make a systematic change, you have to understand the system. Mm-hmm. And as uh, Ronald Reagan uh, 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 approved, um, it's not easy then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, and I think even if, if Reagan had had the kind of um, congressional majority that Trump has, he still would have found it extremely difficult to uh, – the system has a tremendous amount of inertia, and you have to be uh, lots of things. Trump is a good salesman, but you, you have to have something to sell, and mm-hmm. I, that remains puzzling to me. Yeah, and you said one thing that resonated with me. You said that we need to find a way to shrink this system of – a Republican gets in office and then writes a bunch of executive orders, yeah. and then they elect a Democrat, and he does the same thing, goes and enacts a bunch of executive orders, and then gets out of office, and the very next day, <laughs> the next guy just overturns it. It's it's like yeah. Groundhog's Day and, a little it, bit. Yes, and the public is aware of this. You know, people may say that people were that, that voters were naive for 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 voting for, for Trump, but they really were looking for a disruptor. Mm-hmm. And the single now, now I, I covered most of this campaign from New Hampshire, so that 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 puts a certain slant on 
New England is not, I mean, for one thing, the the question of immigration didn't come up a lot. We're not we're not a diverse. State. <laughs> not worried I'm about sorry. those Canadians. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. If you talk to the old people, uh, old folks up New Hampshire, they're 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 still hot under the collar about all the French Canadians that came down the, in the 1930s. But really, it's not really a major issue. Yeah. So, but the, the, what I heard from Trump supporters consistently uh, was uh, the problem of overregulation. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the Trump supporters that I encountered, I would say were mostly they were mostly small business people, um, um, or skilled blue collar craftsmen, which comes down to the same thing. Because mm-hmm. if you're an electrician yeah. or a plumber, you are running a small business, um, and uh, uh, even if you're just con- contracting out, you know, or um, or even if you're working for somebody else, there's a there's a strong business element. And so people would say, I, I'm just going nuts. I mean, I talked to a gas station owner. He could, I, I can't get the uh, local and state and federal permits to remove my old gas tanks at my gas station, which are, you know, they're, they're beyond their age, and they're going to start leaking, you know. But I can't get the permits to take them out, and I can't get permits to put the new ones in. And now huh. the, the dump behind my, my gas station that's been there for 80 years, you know, that's now an endangered wetland, and there's some sort <laughs> of, like, you know, threatened newt, yeah. you know, living in the snow tires or something, you know. It's, it's just, you know. And uh, uh, I heard this over and over again. Uh, and I, there was one particular guy that I really liked, uh, kind of bonded with. He was very funny, and he was talking about uh, these fools down in Washington. You know, I, every time they get a bright idea, they don't realize that that it means a big old stack of paperwork on my desk. Mm-hmm. He said, "I can afford to uh, Obamacare for my employees. We're doing pretty well." But what I can't afford is this this phone book size, you know, back when there were phone books, you know, <laughs> uh, size uh, load of stuff that lands on my desk. It's just, you know, I, I don't have a human resources department. I don't have a legal department. It's just me and my wife, you know, and, and, and I'm a gearhead, you know, I, I'm not a paper pusher. And, um, and he said, yeah, and it's just, and again, he said, you know, local permits and state permits and federal permits. And, and, uh, and I said, well, well, well said, okay, electing a maniac fixes this how. (laughs) And he burst out laughing. He said, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I've had it, you know, I'm shaking it up, you know? And, and, and I heard that over and over again from from people and they were sympathetic people. I liked the people that I, that I talked to. I would disagree about the empty coffee can they chose to shake things Mm -hmm. up, but, um, but I didn't disagree with them. Yeah. Well, let me talk to you about that choice because you know, it seems to me that if people wanted less government and less regulation, everyone was saying that this would have been the Libertarian Party's big opportunity. And Most this was their moment <laughs> yeah. as, well, a, as well, a libertarian leaning conservative. What the hell happened uh, there? Yeah, well, <laughs> um, well, one thing, the Gary Johnson uh, campaign was just unbelievably tepid to the extent yeah. that you could tell that it existed at all and then then he goes on television and thinks Aleppo's a brand of dog food and it just you know as I'm sorry Gary right. you know it, it, but in it, fairness that's nothing compared to the <laughs> to the Donald Trump gaffes oh no a, no no I, no it wasn't a matter of gaffes it what, was just one a, gaffe sinks any candidate other than Donald other Trump other than Donald Trump <laughs> well again when you're looking for a disruptor and you're looking yeah. for disruption he provides it yeah you know? And so, uh, you know, I think that there was just a sense of like, uh, you know, to, to, to put it 
to put it in a way that compliments Trump, Trump voters, it was like, you know, if, you, if you're going to go for disruption, you're going to get a disruptive guy. And this is just, you know, and he's, you know, look, look, you can't listen to everything he said. I, lots of people I talk to. I don't, to, trust me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, lots of people I talk to said, well, yeah, I'd say, isn't, isn't he a somewhat vulgar character? I'd say, oh, yeah, I wouldn't want him around the house. I wouldn't want him near anywhere near my daughters. You know what I mean? You know, he's kind of like, he's like your drunk uncle at Thanksgiving dinner, you know what I mean? But they were so willing to shake things up. Um, or to put it less in a less flattering way, you know, they're they're going, okay, okay, we tried smart, it smart didn't work, so let's try stupid. Yeah. <laughs> go in the other so, direction. Yeah, let's just go, let's go one, do a one eighty here, you know. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so Trump had this, the, 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 this, he, yeah, he, he could get away. It wasn't even get away. It like redounded to his credit every horrible yeah, thing that that's he did. That's what's amazing, you know. Yeah, and he is. I mean, he's sort of like that. You know, he doesn't drink, but he's sort of like that drunk guy on the last bar stool that you have to pass to go to the men's room. And uh, and he's like loud, he's obnoxious, but every now and then he has a good point. <laughs> and he says whatever comes into his mouth, you know, and, uh, you know, everybody, you know, everybody knows he's he, he's a vulgar guy, but every but everybody sort of tolerates him, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Trump fell into that drunk uncle. Yeah category you know? well you know on my drunkest day i don't think i've ever acted as badly as donald trump acts sober <laughs> no no i yeah I, God, that's I a, what's amazing I have a he doesn't drink to, i have a tendency to fall asleep <laughs> you know now, now that i'm older maybe when i was younger i was yeah. as bad but uh yeah did yeah. you did you find most common cause with Rand Paul? If yes, I'm reading I did. this right, yeah. then yeah, I really yeah. I, I liked I, I like I like Rand Paul a lot, but Rand Paul does not yet, uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm hoping he'll get over this. He does not yet have his viewpoint and uh, his uh, he, he he can't explain himself well. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is interesting because he probably one of the smartest of the candidates that ran. Yeah, guy's a serious intellectual, but he has no short answers. You know, he hasn't <laughs> learned. True. He hasn't learned to boil yeah. things down in the in 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 the Reagan manner. You know, yeah. and and then you know he was caught. It's hard to be a consistent libertarian. It's a demanding um, uh, philosophical point of view. Uh, I, I think of it almost as a uh, libertarianism, almost as a, a critical technique, where uh, you look at any piece of policy, any piece of legislation, and you say to yourself, does this improve human dignity? Does this improve human liberty? Does this improve human responsibility? And usually people are with you on the first two. <laughs> you kind of lose them on the yeah. third. And then foreign policy has always been a, 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 a problem, um, uh, a th- theoretical problem uh, for libertarians, theoretical only because no libertarians ever gotten in power, so it hasn't become a practical problem. But libertarians are really disagree with each other. On yeah. um, uh, uh, Cato Institute, almost had a big split after nine eleven. You know, and, uh, right, right. Um, if it hadn't been for Ed Crane's uh, um, um, kind of. Uh, uh, ability to summon a sort of libertarian patriotism at, at that moment. I think there might have been a fracture in the, in the organization. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more with P.J. O'Rourke when we come back in just a moment. Folks, whether you're starting an online business or trying to get your existing business online, GoDaddy wants to help. 
GoDaddy's mission is to radically shift the global economy toward life-fulfilling independent ventures, helping customers kick ass by giving them the tools, insights, and the people to transform their ideas and personal initiatives into success. With more than 62 million domain names under management, GoDaddy is the world's largest technology provider dedicated to small business and the largest domain registrar. They have award-winning 24-7 support and everything you need to build your online business. Whether you have a new idea or an established business, the key to success online starts with a great domain name, and GoDaddy is trusted by 13 million customers, more than any other registrar, with big savings over the other guys. And right now, my listeners can get 30% off new purchases on GoDaddy.com by using the code KICK30 at checkout. That's GoDaddy.com, code KICK30 for 30% off. Again, GoDaddy.com and offer code KICK30. Folks, as you can probably tell, I am a voracious consumer of news, especially magazines. But magazines can be a lot of clutter, so I recently got turned on to Texture, which gives me access to all of my favorite magazines like The New Yorker, Time Magazine, Newsweek, and Vanity Fair, all without the paper and whenever I want. You know, at a time when it feels like it's never been harder to find the truth, supporting the free press is critically important. And Texture gives you access not just to your favorite magazines, but also to some of the most credible publications in the world, all on your phone or tablet. Not to mention, with daily recommendations, exclusive interactive features, videos, and more, Texture makes it easy to find and enjoy the articles you want to read from all of your favorite magazines like The Atlantic, Fast Company, and Entertainment Weekly. It's even searchable, so you can mark what you like, check out back issues, or view bonus content. No wonder it's one of Apple's top 2016 iPad apps. Best of all, Texture is normally $9.99 a month for access to over 200 magazines, but if you sign up right now at texture.com slash kickass, you get a 14-day free trial. Why would you subscribe to just a couple of magazines when you can have all of your favorites all the time for way less? Just go to texture.com slash kickass for your 14-day free trial. That's 14 days to try Texture for free when you go to texture.com slash kickass. One more time, that's texture.com slash kickass. And now, back to the podcast. Well, I want to talk about uh, two of the ideas you propose for better ways to choose a president. <laughs> yeah. I mean, considering the man in the White House is the person who lost the popular vote, I can't see how you can do much worse. Um, we'll get to the second idea in a minute, but your first suggestion is that we choose a candidate based on who you'd want to join on a road trip. Yeah. Um, now, first, let's set the parameters. What kind of road trip are we talking? How many days? VW bug or RV? What kind of car? Is flatulence a factor? I mean, what are <laughs> let's the bases? Let's the just basis say it's a long this? road trip. You okay. Because you can okay. say, like, which candidate would you like to have a beer with? But that's really, yeah. you know, yeah, the truth of the matter is you'd like to have a beer with every candidate because, you know, just to, for that feeling that, oh, I actually met them and talked yeah. to them, you know. But going on a road trip's another matter. And, of course, Trump would think that he'd win this in a walk. I mean, because you, you're thinking about road trip with Hillary Clinton. 
Yakety, 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 yakety. And then, and then stop at one of these dumpy small town diners that she was always popping up at yeah. during her campaign. Whereas Trump's got the private plane, he's got the limos, he's got the hotels, the golf courses, you know. But then you think, geez, how long would it be spending time up close and personal with Donald Trump before I'd want to chip a tight list into the back of his head while he's standing <laughs> up on the green, nudging the ball with his foot, creating an alternative fact about yeah. how close to the hole it is. Yeah, so it's it would actually be a... But I, I, I kind of left the, the current election out of it um, in, in order to concentrate yeah. more on what the past record would be. Yeah, uh, what is the road trip poll? You said over the past 17 elections from 48 to 2012, yeah. there's a road trip poll. Is that a joke or is that an actual thing? Well, it was an actual thing for really? me. I mean, I, oh, I, made a sub, okay. I made a subjective judgment about that. That sounds we, like an alternative fact right uh, there. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it, well, I'll, we'll call it al alternative analysis. Okay. okay. <laughs> I claim no fact. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not that kind of journalist. <laughs> uh, is that, uh, yeah, starting with uh, 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 Harry Truman uh, against Thomas E. Dewey, I think in general we've picked the better president uh, if we put it to the road trip test. I mean, yeah. uh, it, okay, I'm a Republican, but nonetheless, Thomas E. Dewey was very much a sort of Nelson Rockefeller, liberal Republican, you know, and, and Truman was more the real thing and he's the guy that had the poker playing yeah. buddies and had the you know started each morning with a shot of old granddad and <laughs> you know i he definitely sounds like he'd be more ike over adley stevenson that's no contest yeah. you know um now uh, uh kennedy over nixon you know i mean you're, you you think now we we're wrong uh we the which is means me, <laughs> the road test poll does not work with Lyndon Johnson over Barry Goldwater. It turns out Barry huh. was actually a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. Um, and as we know now, very principled uh, and, and courageous, you know, political guy. Um, and we thought, uh, uh, you know, that the, uh, that the cowboy would be a better, we're, we we're wrong about that. You know? <laughs> and I think even, okay. you know, even what it, it goes on, you know, I mean, I think okay. even, um, uh, even Nixon over Humphrey, you know, I mean, yeah. Humphrey's carrying so much of LBJ's baggage, there would yeah. have been no room for the beer in the car, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so based on this, if we were to pick of the whole field in 2016, yeah, a uh, whole field in 2016. Well, you know, the food would be good with uh, Chris Christie. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, it would be an interesting, but I don't think um, I don't think that either uh, Hillary um, Hillary would have beat Bernie, but I think there must be Joe Biden. Yeah. Joe Biden would have been a Democratic candidate. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I yeah. imagine Hillary would be kind of a backseat driver. Yeah. Very yeah, think, nitpicky. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And. Uh, Probably a little bossy. Yeah. You know? and, <laughs> a little. Uh, Donald Trump would just never cease talking about himself, you know. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking, I think I think Rand Paul would be, be, be a, yeah. a good companion. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, none of them really jumped out as being yeah. super fun-loving. Um, but Mike Huckabee. I, I, I pick on Huckabee what, in the book. You have a whole, but, yeah, you have a whole chapter bashing Huckabee. Yeah, well, I had my original plan, I mean, it wasn't really a book. My, my original plan for coverage of the election was to take on each candidate one at a time, and then mm -hmm. events kind of got ahead of me. And um, so it just happened to be Mike Huckabee's turn in the barrel. Okay. And I, I do at the time that I wrote the, the piece, and I apologize in the book for singling out 
uh, Huckabee, but he did run a bad campaign. Yeah. And he did bring up uh, a kind of culture war thing that as a libertarian, I really don't like. Yeah. You know? I mean, he, he had that. And I was worried at that point, this is going back uh, to the beginning of 2016, um, at that point, I was worried that Republicans would end up nominating a uh, cultural conservative mm-hmm. and would get creamed yeah. as a result of that. Because I think I really think that battle's over. Yeah, and you do take him to task over the Confederate flag issue. Yeah, you know, you just, I, I can't you know, believe we're even having that argument in this yeah, day and age yeah, as Republicans. Yeah, no, you just don't. You know, I mean, the, you, you can't build a, 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 a governing coalition, you know, that that is not inclusive, you know, mm-hmm. and you you just you have to address issues. Uh, you know, if you if any kind of good conservative, the, the the core message there is that you know this is good for all of us. It's not just good for some of us. It's not just good for the rich. You know, it's not just good for old white guys. You know, um, you know that everybody will benefit from this, and that's of course mm-hmm. part of the Reagan magic was he was able to get that across. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be alienating huge sections of the population, especially over the question of a state flag. You know? <laughs> state flag. Choose your battles. Yeah. Well, your other suggestion on how to choose a candidate is uh, choose a president based on their spouse and let the spouse run things. You go through history and game theory this one out, too. Yeah. Uh, are there any cases where that wouldn't have worked out well, like I don't know, maybe Mary Todd Lincoln as president. <laughs> yeah, but uh, under my theory, we already would have had a black uh, woman chief executive in the form of Sally Hemming. Oh, oh okay. Because okay. Jefferson was elected. We're counting his, that. Yeah, okay. Jefferson was elected. Uh, well, we're, we're stipulating here that she yeah. was the, I don't know if this is actually historically proven, <laughs> but we're stipulating that she was his significant other at that time. His wife was dead by the time he was elected right. president. He was a widower. So she would have been um, first lady. And my feeling there is that she would have, you know, immediately abolished slavery. She would have fought the Civil War with much less bloodshed because modern weaponry hadn't been invented. Uh, Modern rednecks were still (laughs) running around in the backwoods looking for a raccoon to wear on their head. You know, I mean, that that the whole system would have, would, would have. And so we, by the time Mary Todd Lincoln, oh, yes, a flake, comes along, we don't need Abe. Okay. So, so right. we're okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, the, the, you have the additional problem in this election because Columba Bush and Melania Trump are naturalized citizens, so they could not technically be president. Right. And, right? and, and Bill Clinton, you know, the idea of a gender-fluid Bill Clinton is just we don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, uh, yeah, because could he resist groping himself, you know? <laughs> and is that impeachable? Um so it would have been um, um, Marco Rubio's wife would would be running okay. the country. Yeah, uh, okay. Former well, she, cheerleader. She wouldn't be bad. Yeah. 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 No, no. <laughs> I wouldn't mind Seems that to one be very bit. Nice. Yeah. 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 I actually got in a little bit of trouble the first time I ever met Marco. I was invited to sit down and have breakfast with him, just the two of us in Beverly Hills, and we're having a nice conversation. And this beautiful woman with long legs walks in. And I'm looking at her lasciviously. And next thing you know, she walks up to the table and Marco Rubio stands up and said, Ben, I'd like you to meet my wife and the mother of my children, Jeanette. (laughs) Oopsie. Yeah, he caught me. Um, One of the things that you talk about in here is you talk about the Hillary and Trump platforms and also Bernie's platform. One thing in particular that didn't seem so crazy to me is your idea to eliminate poverty. 
with your plan, you would actually save money and apparently erase 100% of American poverty. Explain how that works. Well, I looked up the poverty programs. In the first place, what was, was quite, quite telling was that nobody seems to have a clear count of how many poverty programs there are. I mean, uh-huh. I, I am talking about the, the, the Senate budget. Uh, 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 you know, the, no, it was the House. It was the House, uh, House uh, Budget Committee couldn't quite get a grasp. As they said, there were about 172 poverty programs. Gone about, and then I added up all the money that was spent with these poverty programs, those that I could track down at any rate, and it far exceeds the amount of money that it would take to bring everybody out yeah. of poverty. I mean, you can just, just give them the money, just give them the money, you know, get rid of the bureaucracy and just cut them a check, you know? And, uh, I mean, I realize this goes against all sorts of conservative and even indeed libertarian principles, but it still would be cheaper and more effective than the massive poverty programs that, that, that we have now. You bring everybody right up to the, um, uh, uh, every single person, in America, right up past the poverty line for I forget what you, you, you I think say eleven. Like, what is it? Eleven thousand seven hundred is the poverty see, line. I think so. Yeah. 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 So just write everyone a check for eleven thousand seven hundred. Yeah. Okay. You know, family of five is doing yeah. all right. Yeah. Give a man a fish. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we're trying to figure out how to pay for all this, and Bernie wants to tax billionaires. You say let's tax celebrities. Yes. Now, yeah. my one question about that is you define celebrities as anyone who attracts or attempts to attract public notice by doing something requiring so little talent, skill, and sense that my kids, your kids, could do kids. it. My question about that is you realize that a lot of people might argue that political pundits fit that definition. I was just going to say, are right? we engaged in just such an activity at the moment? Well, yeah. having listened to my kids, like, you know, like, you know, and then she goes and I go and, uh, uh, no, 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 we, we are doing something my kids can't do, which is, uh, we may not be making well, sense, they don't but have we, microphones and recording they don't have microphones so. and recorders and we, yeah. we may not be making sense, but we're, we're, we're not making sense in an articulate okay. way. So yeah, yeah. We, we just, we just, just, beat the threshold yeah. for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you're also kind of the Mr. Blackwell of the Beltway, I think. Uh, you critique oh, yeah. uh, the candidate's fashion. You point out that it used to be that every adult male who wasn't in overalls and rags dressed like he was running for the job of president, yeah. like Don Draper. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's a weird wore thing a now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird because like now it almost seems like the politicians don't match most of us. You know, a lot no. of people, we're in LA right now and, yeah. you know, everyone goes in the office in jeans. Yeah. So it almost seems weird when they try to be casual. Yeah. Well, none of them know how to be casual right. for one thing. They're just not casual people, you know, or, or they wouldn't, wouldn't be in politics. So yeah, I go on at some length about the, the various dad plaids that they wear, you know, <laughs> clan <laughs> McDonald. <laughs> so, and, uh, and the, the, for some reason they all got into the zip neck sweater. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know whether this, whether they were having a uh, Dr. Huxtable moment or, or what it was, but, uh, and all I could think was, you better watch out for your for your your chin waddles, you you older casual yeah. uh, 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 presidential candidates. Um, and I actually did that piece for Esquire, and uh, they they oh, really? they, uh, they called up and they said, you know, basically they said, look, we've tried looking deep on these uh, candidates, and that's getting us nowhere. 
So let's be superficial. Let's be more superficial. And would you write a piece about what they wear? And I said, sure. I I might as well bring some, uh, uh, you know, make some use of having watched all of them for like too long. Well, what did Hillary and Trump's clothes say about them to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, Hillary was an interesting case because, you know, being a guy, I, 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 um, uh, all I know is uh, is that uh, there is no good answer to, to does this skirt make my butt look big? <laughs> it's just, no, no, don't go there, you know, pretend not to have heard <laughs> or something, you know, or, or uh, uh, create a diversion. Oh, the dog just threw up um, and get out of there. So with Trump, it, it was interesting, you know, Trump's, um, uh, you know, for an anti-elitist candidate, the guy's a candidate for the elite, you know, you yeah. think. I mean, he at least claims to be a member of the 1%. And, um, uh, and yet, of course, there's nothing elite about the way he acts or the way he talks. Right. You know, uh, and, I mean, he sounds, he sounds like the rest of us, except after six drinks and he doesn't drink. <laughs> um and he does a weird sort of, uh, you know what he is? He, he, he's Rodney Dangerfield uh, in Caddyshack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's a rich guy, but he's like, you're, he's a rich slob. Yeah. He wears these Briani suits. Uh, I didn't know until I checked all this, you know, uh, uh, searching through oddball web- websites. <laughs> Uh, and uh, there's these, these handmade Italian suits that like cost a moonshot. You know, I mean, they 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 amazingly expensive, but they don't fit him. Yeah, they don't fit him. You know, he wear he's got these like the jackets like way too big. You know, he looks like uh, uh, like he's got his flying a spinnaker. You know, if he were a boat. <laughs> And uh, and he's got this necktie down, you know, around his yeah. knees, which is not where it belongs. And um, it's just sort of like slobby rich guy. Yeah. And people sort of say, yeah, yeah, that's me if I were rich in a way. You know, <laughs> I, you know they, they can relate to him. You know, yeah. what, what was weird to me is I guess whenever Trump would be in Florida or somewhere where it would probably be like 90 degrees and hot as hell and everyone would be in shorts, he'd be wearing like a polo shirt and his trucker cap. And a jacket over a it, jacket like a blazer. It. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. so incredibly it's strange very, looking. Very, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a hard. Now Hillary, I had to go consult. I had I I I, I called some women that I knew were like bankers and lawyers and stuff to find uh-huh. out about Hillary's clothes. And one thing that it's apparently she uses. Uh, there's a woman designer named Nina McAlore, I think is is how you say it. And uh, I knew nothing about. And apparently they're very good clothes. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, but the style of them relates very much to everyday wear for ordinary women. Mm-hmm. And, and so so all the women that I talked to said that it was actually a well calculated, and she doesn't look like Brooks Brothers buttoned up. Yeah. She she, she dresses in like a more expensive version of um, of what what her large part of her voters wear. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm going. She well, reminded about, me of my, of my mom, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, but I'm I'm going like, well, what about the colors visible only to bees? You know, and she yeah. says, well, you know, that's part <laughs> of like being like sort sort of accessible, but not inappropriately sexy. Mm-hmm. You know, and confident. And then and then they told me something that was the you know that you know that re- made me realize yet once again that it's women are the smarter sex is that um, uh, Nina Mackler's clothes are famous for, among other things, packing really well. 
Oh, okay. No wrinkles. Now, a man would nice. never, yeah. ever think about that, you know? <laughs> Four years as Secretary of State, you yeah. probably figure that out pretty yeah, the quick, amount I of, imagine. Yeah, the <laughs> amount of, uh, of frequent flyer miles that yeah. she has. The, uh, and, and, and they said, that, you know, so ordinary women are looking at her and relating to what she's wearing. And then, like, professional women are looking at her and think, well, that, that's sharp. You know, mm -hmm. that's smart to, to, to wear those yeah. things. And, and um, yeah, so it yeah. was... Uh, uh, it was actually turned out to be an interesting conversation, you know, I, but I, you know, I, when it comes to the subject of women's clothes, I'm lost. You know? <laughs> well, I want to take you back in a time machine a little bit uh, toward the end here. Uh, one chapter is titled Letter to Myself in 1968, in which you try to get the young you to sabotage the political prospects of the young Hillary and the young Donald Trump. Yes. Um, I'm just curious, what was the young P.J. O'Rourke like? Well, I was an anti-war leftist uh, 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 kid. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm writing back in time, and I'm saying, you know, I mean, because Donald Trump's like one year older than I am, and Hillary and I yeah. are spot on the same age, same high school, huh. same college class. And yeah, I think um, you said you could have even dated her, actually. Well, we went to high school. We went to yeah. high school in Chicago, about ten miles apart. Yeah, yeah. so you know, it's, it's entirely conceivable that we may have met at at some time. So. Um, but yeah, the young PJ was uh, uh, fancied himself to be quite left wing and uh, very involved in the anti-war movement and so on. And and I continued to fancy myself to be very left wing until I got a job, and um, I got a not very good job uh, as a messenger, corporate, you know, as a business, mm -hmm. you know, messenger back in the days before the internet. There were actually people like me wandering around with with pieces of paper, and. Uh, uh, it paid $75 a week, and we got paid every two weeks. And I was really looking forward to that 150 bucks, and so was my landlord. And when I got my paycheck, like I netted out at like $85.65 or something <laughs> after federal taxes and state taxes and local taxes, yeah. union dues, health plan, you know, was the retirement plan. And I, yeah, it was. I said, you know, I'm a communist. I'm a communist. I, I, I've, 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 I've protested for communism. I've rioted for communism. I've vandalized for communism. And I finally get a job with a big capitalist corporation and find out we got communism already. They just took half my pay. Yeah. What's this about? Man? So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I began to wake up. Yeah. And after that, you were editor-in-chief at National Lampoon, I, was. I think, during its peak in the 70s. Yeah. What was that like? Who, that was, who were well, some of the people not there? as much fun as it sound, no? sounded like uh, it would be because having a whole bunch of humorists in one place at one time, it's like having a, a cat. egos. Yeah, a yeah. sack full of cats. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, a peculiar thing, you know, and usually is with work is the work kind of sucks. But uh, but going to the office is kind of fun because that's where you see your friends. That's where mm. you do some flirting. You know, you go out <laughs> for drinks afterwards. You complain about the boss. The National Lampoon was exactly backwards. The work was a lot of fun, but the ordinary office life was oh yeah, really yeah uh, tense <laughs> tense. Uh, who were some of the guys well, who were there back? Michael then? O'Donohue was mm -hmm. there. The two uh, um, well, the the two founding guys uh um uh doug doug kenny was would still come in the office every now and then but he was mostly doing movies henry beard had completely retired but um uh sean kelly whose son chris now writes for bill maher mm -hmm. um uh, was there um yeah a lot of big tv writers started off there i think the, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh there there were quite a few but michael o'donohue was like sort of the you know the 
a mad genius. And uh, there was a guy named Ted Mann who's done a lot of reality TV mm -hmm. um, um, who was there. And then, of course, there were the people who um, were with the, I, I was only involved in the magazine, but there were people involved in the radio show and then road shows and so on, which was like Gilda Radner and, and Bill yeah. Murray and uh, Chevy Chase and um, uh, John Belushi. Um, we're all around. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, you know, that, that was pretty cool. <laughs> they did quite well. Yeah. Did you ever get to hang out with any of those guys? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Back when they were yeah. doing the we, movies. Yeah. Well, we used to, uh, well, they originally came to town to do a, uh, national lampoon off Broadway thing, um, oh, really? called national lampoon lemmings. Uh, that Belushi and Chevy Chase were in. I think Bill Murray was in the, uh, in the roadshow version of that. And, uh, yeah, we used to call John Belushi the thing that would not leave. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, he Could was overstay uh, his welcome? He was, uh, well, it wasn't that. He just wouldn't go home, you know I mean? He was like, he was just, uh, yeah, he was a pretty heavy partier, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. You know, when he died, people said, oh, you know, it was too much, too soon, too quick, too young, you know? And, but he uh, finally I, left. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that wasn't yeah. that. I mean, yeah. you know, if it hadn't have been Chateau Marmont, it would have been behind yeah. a gas station in Chicago. He right. Was just, right. You know, he, was, uh, uh, he really liked to get loaded. Yeah. Well, before we go, maybe in your effort to bridge the gap between the populist masses and the pundits, you actually, toward the end of the book, give a glossary of what you call punditees. Uh, do you have a few favorites or, or some of the best ofs? Um. Well, I, I particularly um, uh, like the way that the, 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 the pundits always cast themselves as uh, as being uh, uh, as knowing what's going on inside the beltway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course, inside the beltway is just this wonderful phrase. It means like I am so knowledgeable about Washington yeah. that I realize I know that if you're coming south on I ninety five, it splits. I ninety five splits north of Washington. I-95 proper goes around to the east, and 395 goes around to the west, and they rejoin in I-95 proper uh, in Virginia and forming a, so to speak, beltway. <laughs> That's how knowledgeable I am. <laughs> and you're in New Hampshire, which is outside of the beltway well, as way it gets, outside I guess. The beltway, yeah. 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 In your famous book, Parliament of Horrors, you said that your main argument was politics is boring after 2016 election. Still think politics is boring? I spoke too soon. <laughs> I spoke sure too did. soon. Yeah, Parliament, Parliament, Parliament of Horrors was an indictment of the government when it was working. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what, what to do now. Well, again, the book is called How the Hell Did This Happen? The Election of 2016. PJ O'Rourke, good talking to you. Good to talk to you. All right. Thanks again to PJ O'Rourke for joining me on the podcast. You can order How the Hell Did This Happen? The Election of 2016 on Amazon or download the audiobook for free with a special promotion just for our listeners at audibletrial.com slash kickassnews. Read P.J. O'Rourke's regular articles in the Weekly Standard or at pjorourke.com and follow P.J. on Twitter at at P.J. O'Rourke. Be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. Don't forget to take our listener survey. It only takes five minutes at podsurvey.com slash kick. 
You can visit Kickass News on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at, at @kickassnewspod. And be sure to recommend Kickass News to your friends on your social media. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com slash kickassnews or click on the donate button at kickassnews.com. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickassnews.com. For now, though, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kickass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.